Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising (laughs) Expectations. Hey, good evening, friends. Thanks for tuning in tonight, Raising Expectations. We are thrilled that you're with us tonight, and hey, we want to thank you also tonight that you've been tuning in on the different platforms that we've now had the privilege of being able to be on and coming to people all over the world. Uh, We've got some great response on Facebook, of course, and Twitter, LinkedIn, I've been hearing from some of you, and also uh, on YouTube. They want to give us a special kind of name set up and everything on there, so we just thank you for tuning in because uh, we want to reach you with important messages just like you're going to get tonight. You know, we always start by sharing the team with you. And tonight, uh, our our great buddy and dear friend, my friend 50 years, Dr. Paul Hall from Long Polk, California. He's getting tied up. He can't be with us tonight. Uh, he had some uh, technical difficulties. And he said to make sure you all know that uh, he will be uh, thinking and hearing the program tonight somehow and getting back. He'll be with us ready to go next week. So as we look at that side of the nation, we're talking about the West Coast. We go all the way to the East Coast. And on the East Coast, we have two of our favorite people in the world. We have Stephanie and Dr. Craig Thayer. Stephanie, as you know, is the founder of and CEO of Quenching Wells. And they're there in uh, Georgia, right near South Carolina, not far from Alabama, near Chattanooga. So you can go in every direction. In Dalton, Georgia, I'm trying to cover a good step. But they're right there. And they get close. Yeah, we were actually yeah. in Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's great to know the Southeast is covered and in good hands, that's for sure. And Stephanie works uh, as a health and nutritionist, and she works with uh, her company there. And, of course, they help people learn how to take care of the body, what to eat. They're great recipes, great verses, great things. Just check your Facebook folks. Get on there with us because each day you're going to find things from us written for you, and hopefully they'll lift you up as God lifts us up, and as you do when we hear from you. So also, her husband is the greatest surgeon I think there is, and uh, Tank, or Dr. Craig Thayer, as his name is, he is the guy I want to know when anything happens to me. I just call him up, and he's always, always there because he responds like she does from the heart. Loves the Lord, loves to help people, and nutritionist specialists also. And the two of them together are what we call the Raising Expectations Dynamic Duo. So they're all the way from all of those states way back there. So as we swing the pendulum back to the Central America, the great state of Texas, 
We have one of our favorite pastors in the world. We have Pastor Ron Greer from the great city of McKinney, Texas, and uh, he's putting it on the map. That's right. That's right. Ron is uh, works with uh, men in the mirror or man in the mirror. He's so good. There's men in the mirror now. There's more than one. And he just helps guys get discipled, helps them to learn about who they are, how they got there, and how God has a plan and all of it that will glorify him and encourage them and make them a better husband, a better father a better worker, and someone who or through whom God can bless and touch other people. So that's the team we've got tonight. We're looking forward to being with you. It's going to be a great one. And don't worry, next week, Dr. Paul will be back. He will be uh, listening to everything tonight and ready for us next week with some insight. Now, let's get on to our guest tonight, because we're in an important time with the enrollment period, as you know. And uh, and anytime you see, I just really want to say it, like two or three key guys that come on your television tube and they start telling you things like uh, Joe Namath and a couple other guys that uh, come on there and tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. Uh, make sure you listen to who we have with you tonight. Steve is, I think, one of the greatest guys in the nation when it comes to insurance. He's the founder of My Insurance Solutions. Uh, he works with open enrollment particularly and Frankly, he puts in 14 to 16 hours a day, and he even mentions being like somebody in a trench in the war. He keeps right on going because, and you know what this reason is, listen, folks, because he cares about seniors. He works with seniors in this kind of insurance from the heart because they're not just a number. They're not just a has-been. They're great men and women of God who are the backbones of the United States of America, and they deserve to be treated correctly. You're going to hear all about that tonight. Steve has his company. This is Steve right here, and uh, he's going to come on right now. So without any further ado, I'm going to let him share more about himself, and feel free to just take the time and go, and we'll jump in with him. We always have such a great time. Folks, we're about to do the, uh, you're going to have to go twice as fast, Steph. Tank will be right back. So she's going to clap twice. The Round the clock, double time from the South. Welcome to Steve Cavazin. Steve, welcome to Raising Expectations. Good to have you with us tonight. Glad you're here. <laughs> hey, good evening. Um, thanks for having me. I uh, I have to tell you that um, there's there's a lot of work to be done, and I'm I've been feeling pretty overwhelmed and stressed at the at the um, the need that yes. exists right now um, in our population, especially in our Medicare population. So um, I, I, I actually have questions tonight. I, I have questions. Aha! Uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're flipping it around. Hmm. <laughs> Good. So <laughs> I, I hope you're ready. Um, but I, I can tell you, I, I like to just talk about what's present in, in the current need and what we're seeing. So I'm guiding about a hundred, I call them Sherpas. I changed my name tonight. Do you see that there? I'm, I'm now Medicare <laughs> Sherpa. Sherpa. <laughs> That's good. I like it. You've got a good ring to it. <laughs> so Sherpas are, you know, designed to lead others along, along a path and, keep them safe. And, um, and so I set out 11 years ago to go on a path of discovery in this industry. And specifically because, as you said, Joe, I've got a heart for our senior population. Um, I've always had older friends. I always wondered why. Most of my friends were 10 or 15 years older. And 
And I loved to be around older people that had experience and could provide, well, valuable insights into just life from nutrition to marriage, to raising kids, to all of those important things that we face day to day. Um, the one area that, that I didn't know really and had no experience or had never had a conversation with was in this health insurance space on the, on the Medicare side. And, um, and so it's been challenging. I recognize that there's been very little education out there. It's been sales driven. And, um, and so um, we've tried to steer this conversation, this Medicare conversation with a team of people, create, a, I guess I'll call them disciples, because that's mm -hmm. what I feel like we have is a group of people who are willing to be discipled and, and turn around and then teach what they know and serve their community. And so it's, we're growing. We're, we're growing. We talked about each time we've, we've discussed, um, we generally don't run our training programs during this time, but I've been getting requests every day for people to join our training program in our system. And in fact, I, I spoke with a nurse today who said, um, I'm retired. I'm busier than I've ever been. Um, but I, I feel like I need to be involved and I'm talking to more and more people that we feel the need um, to save our country. Yes. It's, it's, it's a common conversation. I had that twice today with two people and I didn't ask, I didn't, you know, I didn't ask for that. They said, how can we pitch in and help? Amen. Um, can we work on the backside with spark? Can we work on the front side with the client? Mm. Um, and, um, and I said, there is the need is enormous. Uh, as everyone knows, we do this, right? Each of us do this in the areas that we specialize in. And it seems like the laborers have been few. And right now, they're even fewer. So when Christ said, you know, the laborers would be few, wow, I didn't expect it to look like it does right now. But, you know, we're here. But it seems as though the harvest or the opportunity is, is as significant at every level. And Medicare is just one of them. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanna put out a plea early, Joe, um, today. There's two things that I've been experiencing over the last three weeks. I wanna put out a, a call for help. I've, I've not done this before, but I'm doing it more and more. Good. We need help. Good. Um, on a level that it, it, it almost brings me to tears. So as I've been in front of groups of people now, I'm asking for help. And what does that mean in our space? And I think we should all be asking for help. I'm, I, you know, we're a strong people. I'm kind of an independent. Well, I'm a super independent guy, if you ask my wife. And, <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure that's, that make, that's kind of makes up who we are. And, and, um, but I'll tell you, um, we need people to reach into their inner circle, their friends. They don't have to look out there. It's here. It's right in our own families. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our communities. And 
the need for mentorship of the transfer of information is greater than I've ever seen. Mm. And it's in our space. Um, and so I think there's a lot of people that want to help, but they don't know how. They don't mm. know where to get started. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we're just, we're going to start holding um, discussions at the start of the year where we're going to invite people to bring their their gifts and most of them are retired so we're going to invite the retired folks not tired but retired (laughs) (laughs) because their batteries will get charged once they engage again because we want to see our senior citizens begin to find ways that they can give back yes to contribute where they feel they can apply the gift because every one of us know that we have a gift, whether we're utilizing it or not, mm-hmm. we have a gift. It may not be in my space, but I can be a connection point to send somebody over to Stephanie or to Ron mm-hmm. or to support what you're doing, Joe, or to, to um, Dr. Thayer. And I feel like the need to communicate on the most practical level for people to step up and help is is now so i feel a little disturbed and i feel the need that we need to be asking for help more often and uh, so anyway i just wanted to kind of start with that let me just say here's the problem i'm seeing and then i'm going to ask you guys some questions if you don't mind i've been in front of i've had over 200 individual appointments in the last today's the 24th is that correct So in the last 26 days, I've had over 200 appointments. You do the math. And I've taken Sundays off. And these appointments last 45 minutes to an hour. And so I've just felt talked out most of the time. Mm -hmm. I've also been doing six to eight community presentations. So in front of large groups of people or as many people that would come and listen. and, And they're marketed and advertised. So we've been in front of uh, solid groups of people. Here's the number one issue right now that I hear across the country. It's called access. Mm. The healthcare system is not accessible. That's what I'm hearing. Hands down, I can't deny it. I don't know why. I'd like to have that discussion right now. And, and, and I'm hearing things and people want to kind of point to their current doctors or their medical groups or their insurance plans or circumstances, COVID, it's all there. It's all relevant, mm-hmm. but it feels very broken and very unaccessible. Yeah. And I think that's what people at the end of the day are experiencing at every level, whether it's to get a simple colonoscopy, um, to see a specialist, Mm -hmm. to definitely get access to mental health care professionals. It's, they're asking me as an insurance agent to do something called a health risk assessment. We've not had to do those in the past. 
And I think it's because we've built some relationship with the individual in terms of education and information and building trust that they want us to ask these questions. But they're asking us to ask questions. I should have printed them off. They're asking us on a, on a pain level in the last 72 hours, physical pain, but also experiential pain on a level from zero being none and 10 being the most, what pain level are you at? And it's kind of a body question and it's coming in at five or greater, but people ask, what about mental health? And they're asking us are to ask questions. Are you experiencing depression? Um, or are you finding very little interest or pleasure in doing the ordinary things of life? Yeah. These are weird questions. Yeah. They're asking us to ask people if they're using non-medications and for, for covering up pain. That's weird. Why are they asking that? I know. It's an indirect way of asking about marijuana or other substances. That's correct. That's correct. And so they're asking us, and they can say, I deny to answer, but they're still asking us to ask these very personal questions. And Stephanie, that's what I want to know. Is it because they really, truly are seeing the the need and they're, they're wanting to begin to meet the need? What is it? Why would they ask these questions? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's an agenda question. I think um, it's also uh, those questions are from COVID too, because I think um, like OBGYN docs would ask those questions routinely with each visit, mainly because I think they got reimbursed more for being able to treat or counsel these depressed people so socially isolating at a huge cost in women i mean the suicide rate in women between the ages of 28 and 45 went up sixfold yeah my my demographic was a huge target during covid i the the medical health well first of all i don't know why you're being asked these why you are asking these things but the mental health aspect is huge. Like, I think there are a couple routes to most of our problems in our society right now. One of them being getting rid of men and saying that men are bad and should not be the leaders of their household and faith-based and all that. That's huge. But the second is that we do not address mental health and mental health is very serious. And that results in all these other things. And it's almost impossible to get good mental health services. At least I can speak to California where we were, I don't know so much here, it's non-existent essentially. And um, that is absolutely heartbreaking and is something that needs to be addressed. And I would assume um, being a senior at this time, having been in a stay home, you're probably very isolated or the odds are that you would be very isolated. And that is going to cause all of these depressions, which will manifest itself in your body physically, right? Right. Well, we had, we had this uh, conversation with both my dad's uh, doctors and before he passed and also 
well, recently with my mother-in-law, doctors, before she passed. And, and I was sort of with asking your question. <laughs> like, wait, I can, I can see the, the medical questions, but why is it any of your concern about, you know, again, about depression, if you thought about suicide, uh, you know, if you, you know, all the issues of not being involved and not being active. Um, and I, I received several answers, but none of them sort of satisfied me. But, uh, and primarily because um, everybody seemed, seemed evasive, right? So it caused me to be suspicious. But the other, one of the issues with my dad, uh, I know there was, uh, well, finally got a, a healthcare worker uh, who was a caretaker. Uh, she says there, there are a lot of, a uh, number of families during the whole COVID shutdown and just before, who are actually helping seniors, uh, some uh, sort of slow mm. suicide. You have other seniors who are isolated, have no family members. Uh, again, like one other gentleman I know who decided he didn't want to live anymore. Um, mm. uh, actually committed suicide right after his wife died. Um, and so there's this alarming level of suicides taking place, assisted suicides taking place. And now the other one, from my experience as, as an EMT, I, and people still are shocked. Uh, probably the highest sort of level of alcoholism that is that's unseen are among seniors in who are isolated in their homes. Um, a lot of the calls we got for, for falls and uh, health, uh, health check calls, usually they were in the bathroom or in a kitchen somewhere, completely drunk or blacked out. And they have no family, no normal contact with anybody outside once they get a certain age. So, yeah, I, I, so those kind of things uh, <laughs> I, I know happen and cause you to at least ask those questions. At least that way, someone in the healthcare industry or somebody connected with them would, would have some idea. Right? So that's the, that's the best I can come up with. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Those are such interesting things. Working with the senior adults as a senior, quote unquote, adult pastor, I never thought I was going there. I went from a high school principal and administrator into senior adults. And I got teased a little bit by some of the school students behind me. But the fact of the matter was, as I looked at this, there's two things that hit me big time. Number one, this was back a few years. And even at that time, seniors had the most to give and the least people that care about it. Seniors have the most experiences and the least people that want to know about them. One of the things that we did in expanding a ministry from hundreds to thousands of singles was giving them a chance to talk, whether it was on the email, on your network, or whatever we did. We gave them chances to get it out. Because, Steve, I think they're right. At that time, as Ron was saying, even at that point, they felt like, this is, I don't have anybody that cares. Nobody's around. Nobody cares. And I know I have the Lord, but even saying there are times when I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I know that he loves me, and I know that he's here, but sometimes I need to see someone with some skin, you know, <laughs> someone a little closer. And sometimes I know what I know, but I don't be able to feel it because I'm just human. He's infinite. I'm finite. Now, this was back a few years ago, and these seniors felt like, where do I turn? Where do I go? And most churches, and I've talked to churches, they would call me about setting up senior adult ministries all over the United States. And most of them ran into the same thing. Well, the people don't really want to put that in the church. They really don't have time. We'll give the seniors a potluck on Saturday, and that's all that matters. They don't realize the greatest resource for income, for ministry, for outreach, for finance, everything they were putting in the closet and shutting the door. That was then. What about now? Now well, you look at these people I, I, are now. I mean, one last thing, Ron, they, like Ronnie was saying, 
They're hurting so bad. I think it's gone from frustration where they are to absolute hopelessness with some of my doctors. Nobody cares. And the, the principles that made me who I am, they've been woked out. They're gone. The things that I stand upon, they don't mean anything anymore. How do I take a stand for the principles I believe in of God, country, family, everything, when everybody just laughs me up and says, hey, you're old fogey, you don't know anything you're talking about. They're really at a spot where they really need to be reached. I wish I could just open a church of four or five thousand for <laughs> just for them. But, but well, yeah, I, I mean, just oh, with, and working with churches—that's uh, it's one of the areas you don't find churches with. Again, there's a youth ministry, there's a children's ministry, there's a women's ministry, and hopefully, we're doing our job well. Once in a while, you find a men's ministry, but there's nothing uh, for singers now. And the the mm-hmm. ironic thing is. Um, most church populations, they're dwindling of young people. And you have the you have the sort of the non-denominational thing popping up with young people. And most of the people left in those churches are seniors. They're more getting older and older crowd. But even with that, I, I can tell you, I, I've probably visited 400 churches in the last two years. Uh, we're having conversations. And out of those 400 churches, I doubt very seriously outside of Prestonwood and North and South, I don't know of an actual focus on seniors, but yet the, the, a large part of their population are seniors. Uh, the average age to some of the churches out in the area here uh, up until about three years ago, the median age was about 65. And if uh, you look at the great nations of the world, right, Ron, you look at them, you look like England in the 19th century when the church was alive and evangelism was going all over the world through the British Empire. The sun never set on the British Empire. What happened? It did exactly what Ron said. They dwindled and dwindled. Only the seniors were left. They became totally carnal at that point. And at this point, it's just about dead. It's breathing, but you got to look for the breath spots on the window to find them. I mean, they're that bad. And we're going down the same path right now. Of course, America is not in the end times. Eschatologically speaking, we're not going to be around. But still, I mean, what we're looking at seniors, they're gold. And they're being oh. discarded. Okay, I have you're a couple of... thoughts. I'm the Sorry. youngest person on this panel, so my turn <laughs> for a second. Um, I, I, when I had toddlers, baby and toddler, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to join the women's Bible study. And then I'll get to meet other moms like me. Also, they watch my children. So thank you, Jesus. I'll be, <laughs> you know, screaming free for two hours. <laughs> I don't get at the cool table. I don't even get at the young table. I am the youngest person by like 40 years. And I thought, I'm at this table. That was the best Bible study. And I was at that table for over four years. Those women, it gives me the chills poured into me. I am still very close with a few of them. And the amount of biblical wisdom that they had was so deep. And if I would have been at the cool table or the pastor's wife or whatever, I wouldn't have gotten any of that depth at all that I got that ultimately led to me volunteering more. And then as we moved across the country, we thought it would be so easy. We, we literally moved to the buckle of the Bible belt. There is a church on every corner here. (laughs) And we, you know, we came from where we helped church plant and we're very involved. And, um, there are a lot of different churches and they were not, they did not have every generation. I don't know how else to say it, but the fourth church we tried, we went in and they had a, it's a Baptist church. They feed you a lot of Baptist church. I've never been to one in my life. 
Um, it's not healthy, by the way, um, but it's really delicious. And so I walk in and they have a dinner Wednesday night and there are littles all the way to people that can't even walk. And I went into this Bible study and this older gentleman just rocked it. And I was sitting next to someone who was 20 and someone that was like 80. And it was, it was wonderful. So I just encourage you when you go, if you're seeking out a, a church, you need to have every generation. And also if you have a church that only has seniors, we need to have younger life into it as well. But there is always, you know, I was told this, that you should have a spiritual mentor that's at least seven years older than you. And you should be mentoring someone at least seven years younger. And mm. I think there's so much wisdom to that. And just from a woman's standpoint, if you look at Elizabeth and Mary, that was the first time you kind of saw that happening in scripture for women. So I just, it, it's really important. And now where we are, I pick up a woman that has never had her license because she has seizures. She's a senior. She has a little family. Her parents are passed and I get her every Wednesday morning and we go serve somewhere. Is it kind of a pain? Of course, it's not convenient, but I've watched this woman change from really crabby and complaining when she would get in the car. She giggles with me now. Like it's not hard to see people. Well, one of our uh, new initiatives, we, uh, we, we just finished the beta test, uh, uh, I think 13 cities. Uh, we have a, a thing we call mirror labs and the, the, the primary focus of mirror labs, all this money pouring in is to actually figure out effective strategies uh, to train churches in uh, so that older men, in particular in our, our, our eyes, finding older men who will intentionally and purposely pour into the lives of younger men. Uh, so it's, it's called 10,000 Spiritual Fathers uh, right now, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the goal, to eventually get churches to understand the need uh, to access that, that wealth of experience and knowledge uh, and, and, and their faith, and then pour into younger people. Because, again, it goes back to that idea of told you, like a 70 73 percent uh, of, of of young people, right? That even grew up in church, they leave by the time they get to college. Uh, we were up to I think it's 73 percent last time I saw. Uh, so churches are literally, you know, sort of dying, uh, and you have population. I mean, the population of the church are growing older and older, uh, but it, it's going to waste, right? So you have these you have these whole population of nuns who have no affiliation to churches at all, but Surprisingly, a lot of them still refer to themselves as Christians. They're just not part of a church. They're not being discipled. They're not being poured into. It's sort of by trial and error. And too many of them spend most of their time and energy and uh, uh, looking at TikTok and social media. Uh, so they get the, the knowledge and, and things they need, supposedly think they need, from mm-hmm. their peers, which who know no more than they do. So that so part of that part of that that initiative is to try to find the ways to train churches and equip them. How do you utilize the the, the wealth of wisdom and time you have here? Uh, and it's going back to what Paul told Paul's instructions, right? You're older women and older men to pour into younger men uh, who are faithful, you know, faithful men who are able to pour into others, right? Otherwise, uh, this, this thing keeps dying. And I, I I wish I could show you our statistics on churches clothing each year. It would shock you how many. Hundreds of churches close every year, and how many pa- hundreds of pastors leave the ministry every year? Uh, mm-hmm. it, this it, the thing is, is imploding. But back to our seniors, though, 
Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the reasons for us kind of focusing on that, we just happen to have our, uh, our field staff people, uh, mostly guys again around my my range, probably fifty five to sixty years old. Well, a lot of the people that uh, who mentored and discipled us or trained us are older, and but you also get get to realize that they're just sitting doing nothing. And then most of them, I'll give you an example. I called my friend Harry the other day because I haven't seen him in, in probably a year or so. Uh, had a lot of issues, moved back and forth. Harry is a retired uh, airline, airline pilot, uh, retired uh, uh, military pilot in Vietnam, uh, was a, a cross-country, uh, what do you call marathon runner, uh, mm-hmm. big fitness guy back in the day, knew some everybody. Right now, he and his wife, they both have sustained a number of injuries and kind of minor stroke. And when finally get in touch with him, no one I know and no one who's known us has had any contact with him at all. And when I finally make contact, I find this out. So they're basically isolated. Why? Husbands, are, I mean, they're, they're a the former spouse are dead. Parents are dead. Their kids have either moved away or, uh, you know, usually on the other side of the country, they've lost contact with them. Uh, so they become isolated. And you wonder, like, wait a minute. Somebody, someone, someone, someone has to know that you're isolated. Someone has to have contact with you. No. Nobody from the church, church calls. And since there are health issues are going on, they don't go to church anymore. And there's no one saying, hey, Harry's not here. And that, that story, I mean, that, that, sort of, that, that, uh, that thing there, that phenomenon happens. I mean, you can go walk to any church. And you'll find the same thing. And that's just the people at church. At least they have one place they go. Yes. Uh, I, can, I can go to my neighborhood here yeah. and I can ask 10 people the name of the woman in the, in the house two blocks down in the corner. And I'll bet you not a single person can tell me her name. Yeah. But, but Gladys is by herself. There's no, if you don't go by and stop by, nothing happens. She gets her food delivered. She gets her packages delivered. And she yeah. may leave her house once a week. It's epidemic in my mind. Yeah, that's key to wokeism, like we talked about. The more of this, the more they get, the more they isolate, the more they are. Seniors are a generation they didn't isolate. They spoke, they interacted. And when you put them in a spot like Ron's saying, I think right. to direct to your question again, Steve, I think that they're afraid. They know they're going to heaven if they know Christ. But you know what? After a while, again, they need to see some skin. You need somebody like Ron saying to reach out, like you're saying. And secondly, I think they're afraid of the future because they've got no present right now. That's where we come in. That's where people need to give seniors an opportunity to do this. And when it comes to insurance, they, they can't get near the access level on there. Well, you know what? I mean, I, my thinking as you were asking a question before, right, is, is that, okay, who are the people that are most likely to talk to? Their doctor or the insurance guy? <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, if I want to get information to find yeah. out, okay, who, do, who do I talk to? So that part of that might be it. You know, you're you're the you're the person they have who has access to them or are likely to contact you. Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. I got one. I, I know it's a tragic Steve, Steve set me up with a great program, and then Tank, I'm pitching to you. I'm sorry. I have a great insurance program thanks to this man right here. I mean, it's incredible. But I only know the doctor that you know. He loves you guys. He loves Tank. That's Dr. B, Buckingham. He always asks, how's Tank doing? I'm praying for him. You know, he wants to know how. But you know what? I can't talk to any of my doctors. It's just like you're saying, Ron. 
And where's that personal touch? Seniors are used to communicating and talking, and they're shriveling up. So, Steve, but I you think... Go, go on the portal to ask the question. And we'll yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. There's the... I can't even get them to text me back. You want to go on a portal? <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. Go on the portal. Yeah, what's the portal? Right the phone. Yeah, right. And, and, yeah. and the little message says that we'll, you'll, you'll be, they'll respond within 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you got us going, Steve. 48 Take hours from the time I send it. We'll talk about access. So a- access is a supply and demand problem. So, so one, um, the number of people who need care are increasing because the population is aging. Right. But the number of doctors are shrinking. They're quitting because of COVID. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. The nurses are quitting because of COVID. They were afraid and are. Um, the ACA has put in a dashboard for preventative health, which is not preventative. It's early detection. Uh, preventative would be to, to get people in shape and, and let be less weight. They have less inflammatory body like our great other doctor talks about. And all these diseases would disappear, diabetes, arthritis, autoimmune diseases. Um, but anyway, um, and then the supply of docs coming in are a unique generation. They, they are indeed. On them, but they are millennials. <laughs> they don't want to work. <laughs> and you got to give them very, as a leader, you got to give them very strict parameters mm-hmm. and expectations and they'll conform. But they, they're not shooting for a big home. There's just not the work ethic that uh, it's funny because I asked my mentor, Dr. Blaisdell, I go, what's the difference in the, the residents these days? Because they just, well, one, they got, they got benefited by an only 80 hour work week. Um, so now they found a life outside of medicine. So they don't really have the same interest. But he used a very interesting word. He said, they're not as gregarious as. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to gather. There's no, and it's worse now with COVID because people talk like we are now on two D, two dimensions. You know, we're like Hollywood squares. Um, I have something too. I don't know if this is true uh, for Medicare, but I'm assuming it is. You know, a lot of times your first stop is family practice or internal med. You need a referral to a specialist, or you well. I don't, I can't even find an internal med doctor that is accepting patients. So if you can't get into the front door, I don't know how you get to the next door. Yeah, lesser there, they're overwhelmed with uh, trying to meet their ACA guidelines and the new ones coming in are half half strength. Well, I think one of the other issues, if you're a family practice or internal medicine doctor, you are not making that much money for the amount of education you've got. A nurse, an esthetist is going to make way more than them and have quality of life and not have the liability. So just from a behind the scenes, if you're a medical professional, I don't know why someone will become family practice or internal medicine. It puts them at a lot of risk. And basically they have to see 20, 30 patients a day because it's all about numbers. And so now people become a number. And what you're saying is Steve, you're like, this is their human contact. Well, I'm sorry, you have eight and a half minutes and I have to, I'm on an EMR now. Hold on, what'd you say? I got to put this in the, you know? And so it's changed away from, and I don't know how we get away from this, but I think this would benefit everyone where it's really pay 
for, for serving someone. It's not just you have a 15 minute appointment. This is what we pay X, Y, Z, because then you are actually hearing what the patient needs. It's, it's, it's like, it's like cattle pushing. We're not actually doing medicine. And that's what those doctors wanted. I mean, really that's what most want, but if you look at how it's paid, they're not able to do that. And then the lawsuits, they have to do all these things now that they didn't have to do before. It's, it's a mess. So yeah, it so wasn't Steve, bad till I went for that colonoscopy and found out the guy did tonsillectomies. Way to lighten it up, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He has rectum jokes. You don't You're good. Oh, so right, Steve, so, here's, here's a question I have also is um, yeah. um it, even even the whole Medicare uh, sort of nightmare, and then the, the what I call the Medicare circus every year, uh, bombarded with commercials, bombarded with materials. Oh walk into Walmart, someone's sitting there. I walk into this, uh, <laughs> CVS, there's somebody there. It's this constant bombarding, and then every single person that you actually give an opportunity to talk to, they'll give you. And I'll 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 pull this part down right. So I end up having, oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> Acknowledge I do that. There, there, there's a whole list of things on the, on the, on the page. Uh, there, there are literally, let's see, it's, there are uh, 18 different things on here. The services and copay and primary care, all these sorts of things, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm 66, but I think I'm, you know, pretty active 66. I'm looking at my mom who's 87 or my mother-in-law who is uh, trying to explain a phone to them is, is bad enough, but trying <laughs> to explain what Medicare and the, it, it's time to make the change because it's after October 15th. Well, I, I've got to call somebody now and say, no, mom, you have until December. Well, no, I got a thing in the mail. So I got to make a decision now. And I don't know. It's it, okay. So all that to say, all the confusion uh, is that, in itself, a reflection of healthcare as a business industry industry now, or is it just the availability has has expanded? Uh, it, it's why why the sort of um, barrage of, of information and providers and what is that? Sorry, oh, long way to answer question. <laughs> that's a loaded question, and I'm going to cover it quickly. Um, <laughs> Medicare Advantage, this idea of managed care, mm-hmm. um, and I think Tank should probably speak to this, but this idea of managed care is to catch things early, mm-hmm. to preventative, like Joe said, the colonoscopy, um, those, those preventatives, the, the bone density, the PSA test, the, the mammograms, these mm-hmm. things are designed to move people towards, well, healthier lifestyle and and early detection. So our industry is trying to figure those things out. Well, if you're gonna manage care, you actually have to manage care. You've got to get people in for those. And honestly, people don't like to go to their doctors. (laughs) They're like, 
If I'm not sick, I don't want to see a doctor. I don't want to be around a hospital. So the other side of the coin is, is a lot of folks are like, I don't really want to even visit a doctor. Mm. And a part of that is just avoiding things that, you know, maybe they're afraid of. There's some fears. Right. Right. And and guys are really bad about that. I'm just going to tell you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes. we're we're the worst. Mm. <laughs> we're the worst. Story. And that's why women live longer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is, this is off just a tiny bit, but I, you know, I'm an avid learner and podcast and I was listening to something on lifelong health and the biggest predictor of living long, if you've, you know, you pass a certain age and they say, okay, your average life expectancy is this is early detection. And so this person that was talking was talking about getting, you know, four or $500 worth of extra tests every year that are not covered by insurance, but because they can identify things when they're pre or they're like a stage one. And the odds of an issue coming from that is almost nothing. It's when you haven't gone to the doctor for eight years and then you go and they find out your stage four or like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have the widow maker. Well, usually you don't know until it's too late, right? Those kinds of things. So oh. I think that would also be a change in education for people to, or an understanding. I think that would take a long time. And actually, if we could do that as a medical system, the cost would be a lot less. Well, well, here, well, that's the, uh, on that on that same note. Yeah. Uh, here's the issue with the, the the community I'm most familiar with. My family, uh, most people are are poverty stricken, right? Uh, so a constant thought and a constant sort of obsession with every single thing. It doesn't matter what it is. It's always how much does it cost? Mm-hmm. You know, how much is it going to cost? So if you say, okay, hey, listen, if you get someone to help you put together a dietary uh, uh, plan whereby you can lose 150 pounds, uh, get rid of your diabetes and bring your blood pressure down and on and on and on, the first, cost, the first question is, well, mm-hmm. how much does it cost? Uh, now, and if you say, well, listen, here's the deal. If it costs, it's going to cost you three or 400 bucks up front, but they'll save thousands down the line. And you live longer. Well, you know, I, I ain't got that kind of money because I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally living from paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. the idea of taking anything else out of that, that, that little limited funds of money automatically gets a resistance. Uh, hence, <laughs> and the communities I'm familiar with, it's why you have these. Health problems again. I so I lost uh, so three brothers and my dad all within the what last five years, mm-hmm. five and a half years, right? And on top of that, two uncles, uh, no, three uncles, uh, a a niece and, or two nieces as well, right? The the my dad and both brothers and the uncle all had predictable illnesses, cancers yeah. that could have been detected earlier. But weren't, and I, and and in every case, I can guarantee you, any time that, that you know you try to make that case to them, the first thought is, and the first and the resistance is, it's going to cost me money. Uh, so it's it's so that so that's that's a difficulty there. Uh, even though you know this this uh, prevention and this uh, you know seeing your doctor on a regular basis would have like my brother with the with prostate. 
Yeah. Can't make me believe if he had gotten his regular checkups. Maybe they would have caught that much earlier than they did. Let me cover some of that Sorry. because that's a great question, Ron. And these plans have been around for about 12 years, these advantage plans. And they're designed to move people towards early detection and prevention. So they're, right. the industry is figuring it out right. because they're just being introduced in rural areas. These things don't even exist. Right. And, and so they're being developed. Now, previously, there was an enrollment period in Medicare um, that was back from, I think, December, started in December and went till the end of the year. So right. they had the, at least the foresight to move the enrollment period, all yeah. this chatter and noise, back right. to October 15th. Right. Yeah. Weather begins across the country. It gets difficult just to travel and get out of your house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already snowing in Colorado right now. My son says it's coming down, you know, in buckets. So uh, that's <laughs> no, Stephanie. No. <laughs> so they've had the insight to at least broaden and make it early. And then there's a look, kind of a look into the industry two weeks early. Now, in the last three years, Medicare has said, we're going to open this up from January 1st to March 31st. So if people didn't get out of their home or get access or allow somebody to come in or make a phone call or whatever, all of those things that just people just kind of stand back and don't do anything because that's probably the best thing. That's how they feel. There's another period of time where they can make some changes Um, If they made the wrong decision or they got talked into something by Joe Namath or JJ or one of these advertisers, (laughs) because it's happening. So like you held up that phone, that piece of technology is actually causing more problems (laughs) right now. And so that high touch is needed. Joe, I love when he's saying, give me some skin, because you know what? That um, we need to touch that human touch. Uh, an arm, anything, your arm around somebody, a prayer Amen. is actually giving people hope. And it's that yeah. simple. It doesn't have to be special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, let me just let me just circle back around. I was in a home um, Saturday, husband and wife, he's 85, has all of his hair. He's got color in his hair. He looks amazing, <laughs> but he's got cancer and it's bad. Mm-hmm. And his wife is 75. And they've been isolating and they've been extremely active. They've held Bible studies. These are Christians who want to get out there and make a difference. But COVID has isolated them. Mm. And I was able to get in and encourage them, say a prayer with their family and encourage them to re-engage. Yes, amen. Find a way to re-engage. And so people are just needing these simple encouragements. Isn't it the church that started healthcare? Yes, absolutely. Isn't it the church? Isn't it the church that needs to invest into healthcare once again? Mm-hmm. Yes. In as Stephanie pointed out, in a way of service, not mm-hmm. income. Mm-hmm. We've commoditized it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's not good. It's what we have right now, and it's extremely broken. But I have a gal, she blesses me. One of my agents that are a trainer, 
has brought in an 80 year old woman because she feels she wants to still make a difference. She has picked up a state and a federal certification. She's been studying for nine months Mm. and she's been out there and she's helped 10 other people just like her. She's making (laughs) friendships at 80. It's never too late. If I had to look into the camera right now and tell people, us and the people that are listening and that need to hear this, it is not too late. You have a gift. Please activate your gift at every level and start by reaching out to your neighbors, your community, and meeting people once again and reconnecting because there is some... This COVID thing, has, it, there's something evil about this thing. Amen. And, and, and there's fear tied around it. And we need to break that by getting engagement and getting and three minutes. engaged. Yeah, we got Amen. three minutes. Amen. Boy, I tell you, we got us going tonight. I wish we had a three-hour show. <laughs> but uh, you might be asleep halfway through, Steve. Bless your heart. <laughs> Disrespectful clock. I've got four appointments after this. Oh my gosh, we're gonna be praying for that. I, uh, you know, it's true. All of us. I mean, Stephanie, great insight on yes, couples. We need, we need as God made us that way. We need the whole group together, everybody. I would like to start a ministry called Cradle to Grave, but I think it's the other way around. It's (laughs) grave to cradle because Mm. it's. It is the youngest amongst us mm-hmm. that are getting indoctrinated and aren't having the time with the grandparents. Yes. While the parents are out working, the grandparents, this disconnect of being able to say, because they're not afraid to tell those grandkids what they think <laughs> and to tell the parents what they need to do yes. to re-engage <laughs> with their kids and turn off this TikTok and, and, yeah. and spend some time reading to your kids. Well, you know, that, that's the way it used to be. You know, parents yeah. went to work, grandparents kept the kids. And you, they, our, they taught you along the way. It's our senior population that needs to know they're valuable. Yeah. That the yeah. skills that we're talking about and those things that, that they have to offer, we need yeah. them. Amen. We Amen. need those. Amen. Steve, we need adult a, mentors. <laughs> give us that address again. Give, us, give them how they can get a hold of you again. I'm uh, the perfect, easy way. Oh my! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send people over to our staff. Honestly, for solutions, my insurance solutions, my insurance solutions, and the number is eight five five three one three six three three four. You say mind share solution? My insurance solution. My insurance. My insurance. And our staff is trained to listen to your point. Stephanie, it's listening. People are not feeling like they're being heard. Mm-hmm. So we're listening and we're trying to connect them to somebody locally. Or if they'd be patient with us to help meet with them, because there's more time to do that. It's not too late. Don't sit on it. That's right. We'll get somebody to touch you and hear from you and guide you. And with that spark, Henry Figueroa wasn't able to be on tonight, but with that spark, yeah to get some problems solved, to start crossing those bridges and getting those appointments set. That's it, Joe. That's going to be it. And ladies and gentlemen, listen, we got, we got a, we're going to have to run, but 
Hey, we could use, speaking of that, we could use some help financially with raising expectations. Stephanie always shares them. I'm just going to say, go to the website, raising expectations. I'm Stephanie, sorry, I was texting my family member his number. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. PBSradio.com forward slash raising expectations, and you'll find it right there. There it is. You can see the little donation yellow sign there. Folks, you know, if you could do just once in a while, whatever you could do to help us, it costs. And uh, we're feeling inflation and things, too. We we really, truly could use your help to get the word out and to keep bringing men to you like Steve Cabazoo. And be praying. We don't want you to just give finances. We want you to pray. We're going to put a sheet where you pray. We're going to have books coming out. Each of us yes. have books coming out. So there's a lot happening, but we could really use your help right now. Enough said. Now I'm going to give it to the Lord, and he's going to call on you. No, I'm just kidding, but that'll be good. So, okay. <laughs> Steve, thank you, brother. Thanks for all you, you do and who thank you are. You for and uh, we're going to we're just going to pray for your strength, for your health, for Henry, your friend also. And uh, I want to get in touch with you after. I got a couple ideas. It's not going to be good. I'll get in touch with you in November. <laughs> I remember when you get a break or when you have coffee, you can stare at the wall. You know, it'll work. But uh, I'd love to talk to you about a couple of thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, Ron, God bless you, brother. Tank, Steph, you God bless and keep you. Okay, Steve, you you're in the prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for That's tuning Steve. in. Steve, thank you, buddy. You are the best. Sure. God bless. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.